Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, the boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and you love your MMA, then this is the show for you. Fight Night Extra, where we bring you all the latest from the world of combat sports. Joining me, as always, is TalkSport's Gareth A. Davis for another really busy show. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Leeds warrior Josh Warrington. He's taking on Kiko Martinez, March 26th an attempt to become a two-time IBF featherweight champion. We'll also be hearing from Lawrence Coley. He's outlined his plans for 2022 to Gareth, discussing his aim to unify the cruiserweight division before making a move to the big boys, the heavyweight division in 2023. Are we any closer to seeing Dillian White versus Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk? We'll ask Gareth the questions. And is Floyd Mayweather ruining his legacy by accepting fights with YouTubers? The 15-0 fighter is set to fight a 20-year-old influencer on a helipad in Dubai. Only Floyd can get away with things like that. Look, don't go anywhere. This is Final Extra here on TalkSport 2. It makes sense. Why not? Why not? The fight should happen. The fight should happen. You know, um, Deontay Wilder was a coward. I know someone else who who also refused to fight me after being mandated to fight me. Don't want to fight me. Fury said, oh, you have to beat Deontay Wilder or fight me. And this and the other. And Fury's obviously wanted to fight me. And now Fury don't want to fight as well. So, what the hell, man? I, lo- I like to have to find the things in life. Money don't make me, I make money. I like to feed my family. We can't feed, we can't feed our family just saying I love you. Money is able to put us in a position so we can have the finer things in life. He's conquered, belittling, bullying, breaking through from the golden arches of McDonald's, from flipping burgers to flipping the cruiserweight world on its head. Lawrence Akuli, he's a story that anything is possible. 
Hello, Gareth. Hello, Eddie. A very happy new year to you. If we haven't spoken already, yes, we have. But have we? We, are we have, haven't we? We have. We're into the second week. It's just, all it is is that there's no boxing at the moment in the UK, Awful. so we're kind of on this holding pattern. But you know what? Mm. After the announcements last week from from Eddie Hearn of those brilliant raft of fights, you know, with the likes of uh, John Ryder and Andy Jacobs, Ali Pally, and all these different events going on. Um, Liam Smith and Jesse Vargas obviously kicking it off on February the 5th. Hopefully, uh, Eubank and Williams taking place in Cardiff on February the 5th. It's going to be a stacked February, March, and if the heavyweights drop in, a really stacked uh, first third of the year. I agreed. It's going to be a fantastic one. And you're right. I mean, the zone released all those fights and there's some interesting ones there for the for the hardcore fans where you've got Chocolatito versus Estrada free which is probably going to go down as one of the best trilogies that we've ever seen. Some good ones on there as well. And an interesting one, uh, Mickinson versus Virgil Ortiz, the hot prospect Virgil Ortiz as well. Mickinson obviously unbeaten, but a big, big step up for the Portsmouth man. Absolutely. Listen, I'm tipping Virgil Ortiz to be one of the breakout. Obviously, I think he's 18-0 with 18 knockouts already, but I'm really tipping him, the young welterweight. Plays the piano and the guitar, by the way. I always love a little backstory. Um, and I'm hoping he's going to play those things in the ring after he wins. Maybe not a piano. Quite hard dropping the piano. <laughs> they, they might be able to get a keyboard in. But, but, a, but a little a little bit of five-string guitar would be nice, wouldn't it? A little bit of uh, lovely guitar music after his latest knockout. Um, I'm not saying he's going to knock out McKinsey, but real step up. For me, this, is, this kid... Um, Virgil Ortiz, a brilliant person as well. Mm. Um, had several interviews with him over time. I think he's going to be one of the breakout stars in 2022. A very, very tough night for McKinson. But, you know, as we will talk about with Josh Warrington later, upsets, the name Mauricio Lara, um, Kiko Martinez and Kid Galahad, George Cambosos and Teofimo Lopez. Yeah. This is a yeah. sport where we always see upsets. McKinson will be looking to do exactly that. Indeed. It's so good that you mentioned Josh there because they're going to speak to Josh a bit later. Obviously, fight announced for him. Kiko Martinez, March 26th. His opportunity has come to become a, an IBF world champion again. He might view it as his belt. It's a belt he didn't lose in the ring. Kiko having this Indian summer. Looked good against Zelfa Barrett. Stopped. Uh, Kid Galahad with one of the biggest upsets of the year. Um, what about those people though, that say Josh should should give Lara the opportunity again. They should go again. Um, Lara obviously won the first fight. The second fight looked very, very dangerous until it was stopped with head clashes. What about those people that are saying, why isn't Josh fighting Lara? Well, I mean, look, he, he never lost, lost the IBF belt, if you remember. He vacated it. He relinquished the belt. Um, Mauricio Lara was a, was a step in between. Um, and, you know, he, he wasn't a losing champion at the time. He's got the opportunity to win back that belt that he vacated and, and he should take the opportunity. Um, you know, Kiko Martinez is there. They fought before. It was a majority decision five years ago. It was a tough, tough, rough night uh, for him. And, you know, um, five years on, they meet again. There's, I don't think there's any issue at all. He's a brilliant seller. Um, one of the big fan bases, arguably one outside the heavyweights the he's biggest, got one of the, the biggest, biggest fan bases in the UK maybe the biggest yeah. so uh, I think it's absolutely fine Kiko Martinez will get a fine payday at the first direct arena in Leeds so no all, all, all power to him I think he's doing the right thing indeed uh, you spoke to Lawrence Ocoli and we're going to hear that interview a, a bit later obviously Lawrence Ocoli uh, desperate to unify the cruiserweight division um, and he could I think there's. I think he's such a good fighter I actually don't think 
he's even got to third gear yet. I, honestly, I watch him fight, and I think there's so much more he can do. And um, I think he's a scary prospect, not just for the other cruiserweights, but potentially at the back end of 2022, maybe a heavyweight fight as well. Absolutely. And he's fascinating in this interview, by the way. He was in his car on the way to training. We, we've talked about, coming up, obviously, we've talked about um, the fight with uh, Michael Czyslak, uh, the Polish fighter, who's only lost, by the way, to Alumba Makabu in, in a really good fight in the Congo, in Zaire, in the, um, last year, wasn't it? Um, in a challenge for the WBC Cruiserweight crown. I think Lawrence can unify the division. He, he also talks about Okay, Canelo, if you want to come up to Cruiserweight and fight Makabu, fight me because I'd knock you out. Listen for that later on. And also, of course, um, he's talking about moving up to heavyweight. He's already thinking about it. Loves the idea of a Dillian White fight. Real, real animosity between those two. And also, he's becoming the face, Lawrence. As we know, the great story 10 years ago when he was working in the fast food chain McDonald's, um, when, it, when he was inspired by Anthony Joshua winning the super heavyweight gold in London, Lawrence ran out and went back to the gym and took up boxing again. He's now the face of McDonald's new plant burger. I think that's brilliant. He grows and grows and grows. And I've always said to Lawrence, to go back to your original point, don't worry about your style. He's an enormous cruiserweight. He's a very awkward fighter. Very heavy, heavy handed. He knows he's got a great jab now with Shane McGuigan, a big right hand, which is knocking people out. But he's also got that kind of grab and hold style as well, which makes it very difficult for anyone that steps into a ring with him, Eddie. Uh, agreed. Uh, we're going to hear that interview shortly. Uh, Floyd Mayweather as well. We're going to talk about him fighting another YouTuber. He's making those millions, Floyd. You can't blame him, right? He's not having, and I don't mind, he's not having serious fights. I don't mind the YouTube fights whatsoever. But this one will be on a helipad in Dubai. Uh, Floyd likes to do things differently. It's very hard to be biased against Floyd Mayweather. I covered pretty much his entire career and all those massive fights he had with Pacquiao and Cotto and Canelo and, you know, just on and on and on. He was an amazing guy to be around. It was always a huge event. And, you know, he retired, he came back, he retired, he came back. He set a template for the likes of people like Conor McGregor um, to go out there and, and really bust the money market. He went from Lil Floyd at the beginning to money in the end. He's a brilliant, incredible marketeer. And if he wants to go and do an exhibition bout with a 20-year-old kid that owns a zoo and is a YouTube sensation, we can't stop him. No, we certainly can't. You know, I might even go and watch it if I'm honest with you. All right, this is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to hear from Lawrence Coley on his plans for 2022. And we're going to update on the heavyweight division. But next, we're going to be joined by the Leeds warrior himself, Josh Warrington. Find an extra here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis are with you. Uh, DAZN released their schedule of fights coming up in the next couple of months, starting in February. Um, it's America first, actually, I think. It's Liam Smith, Jesse Vargas. And at the end, at the end, it's Josh Warrington versus Kiko Martinez, first direct arena in Leeds. I said this. Someone asked me, actually. Um, I think me and Tony had done something for DAZN, and they were saying, all right, best atmosphere. We just created a subject. We said, best atmosphere of the year. I said, without a shadow of a doubt, it's not even close. I said, not in close, headingly, 
Lara Warrington was the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I've been to big events, football events, boxing events. That event there was ridiculous. Josh, when you came out and you went on that thing that went up, I don't know what, how to describe it. You stood on that thing and went up in the air about three meters. I, I lost the plot. I was like this, this. It, I was like, it can't get any better than this. Honestly, I was screaming. I was screaming. I was like, okay, Addy, calm down. He's supposed to be neutral here, and it was difficult. Um, we go again, Josh. First direct arena is going to be jumping as well. Kiko Martinez, world title fight. Um, you must be excited. It, it must be nice to get this one over the line to get a date in as well. Yeah, yeah, massively. I mean, uh, you jogged over that one there. Um, the you know Larry too. The ring walk was incredible. Everyone turned out in, in massive, massive numbers. Mm. Um, and I can't thank him enough for that because let's not forget, I come off a knockout loss. So the, the crowd shouldn't have been that big, but they were there to support me, there to see me get my vengeance. And obviously what happened, happened and uh, very, very disappointing. Um, and then it was like, they thrown everything all over the place really because you and people were asking me, Oh, what's going to happen now? Are you going to go for another rematch with Lara? Um, are you going to go to the States? And it's kind of like, I felt pretty content to, you know, move on from Lara and go on to different things, mm. even though I'd still love to get the, the W over him. Um, and then, yeah, out of nowhere, this, uh, this Martinez, this Martinez shot is there. And it kind of, it gives me an opportunity to put my get back the position of power because I lost that position of power when uh, when I got beat by Lara the first time. So, um, yeah, he's, he's come around. Martinez wants to fight. He wants to fight, let's not forget. Obviously, it makes, uh, it makes you know, business sense, but I heard rumours that he went back to the change rooms after knocking Gallard out, that um, he was screaming, Warrington, Warrington. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he wants to fight, man, and... Uh, you know, he's coming up to five years now since yes. I last boxed him. And people said then that it were finished. And look what he's done since. Since he's boxed me, he went on to win a European title. He boxed Gary Russo Jr. for the WBC world title, which was stopped on a cut. And then that superb knockout against Galad and his champ again. It's, it's amazing when you look back on that fight. Like, say, five years ago, majority decision on the night. What do you recall from the fight, that first fight with him, which was, for, of course, at this arena as well, first direct? I just saw ribs, saw ear. My hands were busted. I mean, it was a tough old fight. It was a tough old fight. Like, if you remember that time, I'd, I'd, I'd left match room. I'd yeah. gone to Frank Warren, but in that meantime, I had more or less a year out of the ring. Um, I did uh, an operation on my elbow. I'd come back, and there were questions of who am I going to come back against. Obviously, this the Selby fight was somewhere down the line, but people said you need to come back with a bit of a meaningful fight. I wanted a meaningful fight, and then you know Kiko Martinez gets gets arranged, and people are saying Kiko's finished, Kiko's done. But we knew that it was a dangerous Kiko Martinez. You know, there's rumours that. When he boxed Scott Quigg, he only got a few weeks' notice and yep. he, he had cold. So there's, there's been times when Kiko has on it short notice. He had a full 10-week camp for for um, when we boxed him. And I remember starting off the fight pretty pretty well, pretty sharp, and catching him with some good shots. And then uh, I had a bit of an hand injury in the, in the third round. And from then onwards, it just seemed to be an uphill struggle. And he always seemed to be there. And that with a bit of ring rush, bit of timing out, it was a tough old fight. But I always felt I'd done enough. 
but I, it were it were, were a tough old night, that's for sure. But you, I always, I always knew that if I could beat someone like you called Martinez, I'd go on and win a world title. Yeah, but that was the beginning of, of that brilliant run you had. Then you knocked out Dennis Ceylan, you stopped him in 10. Then yeah. it was Lee Selby, Carl Frampton, Kid Gal had that great run you had. Yeah. Where really you became a powerhouse at Featherweight. And then I think, you know, it, it, in many ways, you made your name over that period, didn't you? Yeah, I think, do you know what it was, Gareth? For, for a young, for a long time, since more or less been 16, I've been in the gym constantly, like, Amateur days, just in the gym, non-stop, non-stop, non-stop. And then I turned pro. And even though we're only having like three, like three, four, five fights a year, I was constantly training. So I'd fight on a Saturday night. I'd be back in gym Tuesday. I would never really give him my body that chance to recover and rest. And that period from when I boxed Patrick Island in 2016 um, to, to Keiko Martinez, I let my body develop a bit more and... It, my body never had that chance to really float into the into the man, and, and I think I was still in that transition. Yeah, tensile strength. The tensile strength. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, and, yeah. and get that power. Sit down on punches a little bit more. Have the confidence to do so. I mean, in that meantime, I, I'll you know I've, I've become a man. You know, I've, I've yeah. developed well, and um, and I think that Josh Warrington who faced Kiko Martinez back five years ago. It's a different Josh Warrington who would face Kiko Martinez this time. I understand that um, he's had an Indian summer, but he's also five years older than he was. You know, now some people are still doing all right. And look at the native Danes, 38 years old, and he's still, he's having a brilliant Indian summer. And, and Kiko had a brilliant 2021, obviously the fight with Zelfa, mm. very, very close. And obviously the punch with Galad, but... Um, I thought he beat yeah. Zelfa. I thought he won that fight. Yeah, well, it's a lot of people, it's, it's debatable. A lot of people have thought that, a lot of people have said that. Um, he certainly gave a great account of himself, that's for sure. No, he certainly did. I thought he looked really good against Arthur. And I'm with Gareth as well. I thought he won that fight. I think if that fight's anywhere else, I think Kiko um, gets the victory. Um, what did you make of the Kid Galahad fight, Josh? It always, it's always interesting asking fighters as opposed to fight fans. We were, I was ringside and shocked. It was one of my upsets of the year, if not the upset of the year. What, what did you make of it? Well, I've, we've been dissecting bits and bats of uh, Kiko Martinez's fights, and I've still got to get to that one because I've not actually not watched it um, all the way through. Mm. I've only seen highlights because the night that um, it happened, me and Maxi Hughes was doing the next That's right. leagues. That's oh, right. yes, you was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit, bit of a story, actually, because I'd left the exhibition. I said, right, I'm going to get home and watch a boxing. But in the meantime, I went to Leeds City Centre, so I said to Mrs. I said, I'm going to get a kebab. Do you fancy one? She said, yeah. <laughs> so I'm in takeaway. I guess my phone out, I'm on Twitter, and I seen that Alex Arthur had put, oh, Kiko looks shaking round one, so I put my phone in pocket. I thought, I know where this is going to go. It's going to be an easy night for Barry. So I jumped in the car, I thought, I might stick it on, might stick it on radio. For some reason, my car radio wasn't working. And then I guess about half a mile from my house, and I just had something going on. I'm sat at traffic lights, pull my phone out of my pocket. And my phone's gone absolutely nuts. <laughs> I had about 40 messages. Have you watching boxing, Josh? And I rushes in, I rushes into my house, and my missus turns around and goes, Kiko's champion. Kiko's. I dropped the kebab all over the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> on a, on a kebab, chili sauce all over the place. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing because obviously someone like Barry who's, who's slick and defensive, he doesn't get caught with the shots like that. And obviously the the bits of violence that he's seen, well that I've seen, that I have seen, it looked like Barry was full in control, mm. and he just looked like he's gone to sleep for a split second, but. 
One punch is always all it takes at times, gents, isn't it? You know, because that you've experienced the same thing. Obviously, you came back galvanised against um, Mauricio Lara. And, you know, it's weird, isn't it, that, that we're in a sport where one split second, one tiny mistake can just take you on another course for 12 months, 18 months. It, it, how, do you, how do you handle all that mentally? How were you after the, the, the Lara defeat? Were you able to compartmentalise it and say, it's just a mistake, I got caught early, you know, we were in COVID, there was no crowd, you're used to a crowd, all those things? Um, yeah, to be honest with you, Gareth, it would have, you know, I had to really sit down and, uh, and go through, um, and it wasn't until about probably six or seven weeks after the fight when I really realised it was it myself. You know, I could blame anything. I could blame everything and anything, that uh, the reason that I lost that first fight. I don't think it would have, you know, it was just one punch. I think it was my cockiness and eagerness, um, you know, People say, oh, you didn't have crowd day. You know, you didn't look yourself walking in there. And I thought maybe I would have, I'd overtrained because the day, it changed a fair few times. I could say all them things, but really and truthfully, what happened on that first ladder fight is I thought I was just going to be walking the park. And mm. the talks of my fight with Kanju being rearranged to later in the yeah. year, I thought, well, right, because, you know, the, the, the fellas behind the scene were saying, right, we're going to announce your fight after you've beat Lara. And I was kind of that like, yeah, just get this done. I kind of walked to the ring as it was a sparring session. I've been more tense for a sparring session. And obviously, he's a killer. He's, he's come for an opportunity and he's, and, he's, and he's bashed me up. And I've paid the price for it. And I know that it took me a while to like get in my head that it was your fault, Josh. You can't be like that the first time around. And obviously, on the night when it comes to the rematch, even though many times throughout camp, I'd gone through that roller coaster of how, how I'm going to cope. What happens if that one punch comes again? And then we were saying when I was walking to the ring and obviously and Slav went on that, that podium, then I felt like a god then. I was no way of being You look like a god, that's why. <laughs> and then um, after the first round, I thought to myself, it was your, your mental state because you've reproached this fight. You know, you've trained as hard as you did in the first one. Um, you're in great shape. You made the way fine, but it was that because I've approached it like I'm wary and I was pumped. And after the first round, I thought to myself, how did this guy beat me in the, the first fight? I couldn't believe it. You know, so I know, I knew just even from them two rounds that it was my mental state, what was the problem? And, uh, you know, I thought I knew everything going into that first hour fight. I thought I knew everything. You know, I thought we were well experienced and I've seen and done everything. But I've, I guess you're still always learning this sport. And, you know, a little bit of going back to Barry there. I'd seen a lot of him talking throughout five weeks that he was going to go on and fight in um, Navarrete in mm. unification. And all it is is taking your mind off it for a, a little percentage. And that can be a massive difference. Josh. Tiny little step, though. You've never lost the world title because you relinquished it. Listen, statistically, I'm an undefeated world champion. Exactly. I never, I never lost the belt in the ring. I lost outside, obviously, by vacating it. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm a it's true, Josh. A lot of people say it is your belt. In making this fight, Josh, have you have you had to almost separate your business side from your ego side? Your ego side would have said, "You know, give me Lara again." It's the fight that you know we, we need to kind of right that wrong. Business sense, though, Kiko makes a lot more sense. It makes sense. It's your world title. You can get that back, and then you're a big player in the featherweight division again. Was there a part of you though that was like, "You know what? No, uh, me and Lara have got business that we need to sort out." 
Um, I think because of the time of how long it's been, I mean, it's been it's been nearly four months since uh, since the Lara fight. I've had obviously a lot of time to think. So initially, after coming out to our ring, in change rooms, I'm I'm screaming to Eddie, like, we've got to get it on again. We have to make it again. You have to make it again. I need to put it to bed. He's like, relax. You've, you've put a lot of things to bed. You've shown massive cojones getting in the ring after that first one and wanting to go straight in. I'm like, no. I need to put it back in. I need to put it in the bed for me. I need to put it in bed for the record. I need to see that I have a W against his name. And uh, obviously, time passes by and they keep reporting back to me that he's not going to be ready anytime soon. And then I guess you just get desperate to be back in the ring. You want to be active again. Um, so I then I'm asking, you know, what other fights are out there? Are we looking at going to the States? Can we just go to the States for the experience? Is there anybody up and coming who can fight over there? And then obviously, like I said at start, the Kiko Martinez fight is massive because mm. I give up a position of power. You did. I, I was meant to walk into a unification fight with Kanju. With myself getting beat by Lara, I lost that position of power. I, you know, I went from number one in world to like rank number five and number six. So this kind of gives me a tool again to if Lara, if Lara's there, well, it'll be tempting to come to shin me uh, to try to take the belt off me. But if not, you know, other champions will want to have a little taste of it. I might look like a bit of a, a bit weaker than I than, than I was before I was undefeated. You know, Navaretti might think, you know what, Warrington can be beaten, he can be knocked out, so I'll take that fight. So it does give you bigger options and, uh, you know, a bigger scope to do things when you have that belt. Can I ask you, um, obviously just before, for you fight, um, Lee Woods, Kanju, Lee Woods, Lee yeah. Woods, Michael Conlon. How do you see that fight? It's a fascinating featherweight fight as well, isn't it? It's a it's a it's a terrific fight, and um, you know the featherweight division in, in domestic scene is is absolutely booming. And uh, you know, I, I could use um, Lee Wood as a prime example of how this how funny this sport is because yeah, he gets beat by Jazza in that in that in that tournament. And, and Lee would stay, stay in retirement in the face. All of a sudden, he comes back. He, he beats my gym mate and Reece Mall for British title. Then he gets a shot against Kanju, and now he's he's looking at a final eliminator for the WA Super. So, you know, he, he's done well. But, yeah, I think he's a brilliant fight. I probably fancy Wood to, to win, just for I think that um, Conlon, as much as he's a great boxer, I just don't think he's, he had the dig even at, at Super Bantam, you know, when he likes a... I think he boxed Jason Cunningham when I boxed Frampton on yep. that same night. And a few times that he has boxed at featherweight, I just don't think he's a, a strong force and you know, would have probably bring pressure and bring a lot of power. Uh, but we're, we're under pressure from our editor, Jeremy, saying no more. But let's say <laughs> you, you beat Kiko Martinez, Wood beats Conlon. Who would you prefer to defend the belt against next? Would it be Mauricio Lara? Or would, would you like a unification of sorts with, with say, a Lee Wood? Nottingham, you know, against Lee. Uh, that's a great question, Gareth. A great question there. You've got me there. I'll have to, I'd have to have a think on that one. But listen, I, I've, I've already said I'd love to fight winner of uh, Conlon and Wood. Obviously, I've, I've wanted to unify for a long time. Hopefully, you know, things go well on uh, March 26. Put me eye in the Ring Magazine rankings again and see where we go from there. But then again, that Lara, I want to beat every man you know, that I've been in the ring with. So I'd love to put that one to bed. So let's have a good think on that one, Gareth. Josh, 
Thank you, my yes. man. Really appreciate you coming on. Honestly, really do. Brilliant. March 26th. My birthday's March 25th, Josh. So a nice birthday present would be hey. to see you lift that world title belt again. It'll be nice. Fantastic. Cheers, mate. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Good luck, Josh. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Cheers, bud. Great to hear from Josh Warrington there. All right, this is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come. Still got loads to come, actually. We'll be discussing Floyd Mayweather's latest exhibition fight with a YouTuber again. Uh, But next, we'll hear from Lawrence Okoli, who hopes to unify the cruiserweight division in 2022. Listen to find an extra here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis as well. All right, let's turn our attention to Lawrence Okoli. Look, he says he's taken inspiration from Canelo Alvarez and his bid to unify the cruiserweight division in 2022. Alvarez fought three times in 2021 and unified the super middleweight division. And speaking to Gareth A. Davis, head of his fight with Michael Kieslack on February 27th, Okoli says he wants to replicate the achievements of the Mexican. I saw Canelo last year, you know, pretty much unify him one year. Um... That will, will become undisputed in one year, and I, and I kind of look and say, why can't I do something similar? Um, so get this one one and one well um, at the old arena, and then you know, uh, you know, all, all being well, God willing, you know, no injuries and no slip ups, and then we go straight into unification a few months after, and then we begin our onslaught. You know, if if like I'm able to have the unification after unification. 
then I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for, you know, continuing to make weight and, you know, you know, pushing at this weight class, you know, because there are opportunities at, at, at heavyweight that do come with their own um, dangers, but also they come with their rewards. So it's kind of like, I, I need the unifications to keep me at this weight class because I've become world champion and I do love it, but there's still so much for me to go on and do. Do you, do you think that by next year you'll be up at Bridger or Cruiserweight uh, or Heavyweight? I think in 2023, um, definitely um, I'll be, at some point that year, I'll move up to Heavyweight. I'll be 30, I think, uh, yeah, 30 in 2023. So I'm, I'll be getting to that age, you know, experience level, you know, depending on the parts I'm able to have this year where I've done everything that I can and need to do at, at, at Cruiserweight and it's time to see if, you know, my agility and my, you know, awkward style and boxing IQ and punch power are going to be able to, you know, replicate what I've done at cruiserweight at heavyweight. Um, only one way to find out, and that's to, that's to mix it up. But right now, I'm, you know, focused on doing what I have to do. Because if I can't do it at cruiserweight, then I need to have real conversations with myself about doing it at heavyweight. So that's where I'm at. But we'll see. Always great to hear from Lawrence Okoli. Um, look- I want to say one of the fighters to watch. He's not really that, but I think in terms of how his brand's going to grow and what he's going to do in 2022, um, I am excited to see what he can do. And look, I guess he's got he's got an interesting decision to make here, Gareth. Uh, a fantastic interview, by the way. He's got an interesting decision to make here because you look at the champions in the division, Gumarian, the French, Makabu, and then you've got Bradis. And as much as I want to see him unify the division and become undisputed, you know, these boxers are smart now. He's a smart businessman. He's with 258 Management. They know what they're doing. Financially, you, you might think they're not they're not the biggest fights. They're, they're not the fights that are going to maybe draw in the crowd and fill out an arena. Whereas if he jumps to heavyweight and, and you know, likelihood of the Dillian White fight, we know the infamous sparring match and others out there, you can make money very, very quick. Um, so if he doesn't get these fights, if he doesn't get it on with the Bradis and the Macabres of the world, he might jump to heavyweight a lot sooner than maybe he wanted to. I think he'll be there in 2023. There's no question about it. I mean, I think, you know, um, we'd all love to see the Maris Bradis fight. I think Akoli is a handful, a big handful, a difficult, difficult, long, gangly, dangerous, heavy punching opponent for anyone. Um, I expect him to come through Tizlak. Uh, comfortably, I think he'll knock him out. Mm. He likes to become to come forward. I've watched his style; he's very aggressive. But I think that'll suit Lawrence. I, I see a knockout in the mid to late rounds. Um, having said that, Sizlak's only lost once to Lumbo Macabu. He'll he'll come with a lot of ambition. So Lawrence has got to take him really seriously. But overall, you know, having known Lawrence a long time, I've really, really noticed how much he's grown. He did that book during lockdown. He's always looking for new, innovative ways, creative ways to develop himself, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, psychologically. He's a fascinating character. Um, and, and I don't think we give him the credit for how tough he is as well, very often. Um, he seems to make it easy. He looks effortless when yeah. he fights in lots of ways. Um, and I think, you know, once he bulks up a little bit at heavyweight as well, he won't, he doesn't need to do too much bulking up. Um, he's still going to be very quick. Can that power carry up to heavyweight? That's going to be fascinating. I'd love to see him um, fight Maris Bradis before he goes up to heavyweight, but he will be up there. As you say, 
Dillian White, O2 Arena, 20,000 people, packed arena. He'll never fight Anthony Joshua. Of course, they're too close, but there are some massive fights out there for him. Yeah, fantastic point you made about not having to bulk up too much as well, because, I mean, you only have to look at Deontay Wilder, who's who's really and truly a small heavyweight. I mean, yes, he's tall and, you know... He's a light heavyweight. Exactly, right. He he is, isn't he? So I think Lawrence could, could really just look at that and think, you know, it's all about the power. Deontay Wilder, the hardest hitting heavyweight that we've seen in recent years. I think... Yeah, I, I do think Lawrence Okole, as you say, will go to heavyweight in 2023, and I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Sticking with the heavyweights very quickly, uh, Gareth, um, any further updates with what's going on with regards to Dillian White and Fury and his purse bids, which have now been pushed back another week, and Usyk, AJ, any news on whether or not, or when, sorry, that rematch is going to go ahead? Well, I mean, obviously on Saturday night, Frank Warren revealed before the WBC put out the week extension, revealed on fight night, um, and of course our, all our podcasts are up for the... Um, Uh, Sports Podcast Awards, which is a great pleasure and a privilege to be in the shortlist. Well done on your hard work for that, Addy. Thank you. And Adam as well, and Spencer and all of us that that work on it. It's it's a great privilege to be be mentioned in that. Um, Frank revealed that they're going to have a week's extension. I think that's very good news because I expect before the uh, the second date for purse bids next Tuesday, uh, January the 18th goes ahead. I reckon they'll be talking away behind the scenes and maybe edging towards, you know, maybe 75-25 rather than 80-20 uh, or, or, or maybe 28-72, maybe even 70-30 mm. to get the fight over the line. And if they delay it a little bit and take it outdoors, let's say in April, and they don't go for that March 26th date that they've been on about, which... You'd expect it'll be someone like the Manchester Arena. Obviously, Tyson Fury hasn't fought in the UK since 2018, believe it or not. Um, we could get a very big fight outdoors, maybe in a football stadium, because I think you could build that Fury-White fight. I think the week's extension is very good news. And hopefully, hopefully, because it's an appeal by Eddie Hearn, they will get down some talks in the meantime and we get some some news that they're not going to have to go to purse bids. But that is a purse bid of purse bids. That's a war there with DeZone and Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren, Bob Arum, BT Sport, ESPN. Who knows? Triller could even come in for it. You just do not know with a purse bid. Um, you're right. Any, anything could happen. And it could go to an astronomical number as well. It reminds yeah. me a bit of when Povetkin fought Vladimir Klitschko many moons ago and the purse bid just went nearly touching 20 million. I want to quickly, uh, finally, Gareth, on that March 26th date that Frank Warren has spoke about, it looks like that seems to be set in stone for when he wants Fury to go out again. Why does boxing do that with each other? Um, obviously, you know, we heard from Josh, and Josh is going to fight on March 26th against Kiko. Big fight, right? First direct arena. All eyes will be on that one. And at the same time, we could have the, the lineal heavyweight champion fighting on these shores as well, March 26th. I mean, look, I can understand why these guys like to go head-to-head, but the fight fans lose out because you want to try and be at both events and you can't. Yeah, I mean, I I think if 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 White and Fury goes ahead on March twenty sixth, and it is in an indoor arena, then I I think um, Josh will be moved. It will be moved. Mm. Yeah, um, but I still expect that heavyweight fight to move into April. Um, I you know if they make that negotiation and it works, I think they'll move into April. I cannot see the rival broadcasters putting those two big fights on on the same night, um, and you know the fans choosing. Although. You know, um, Josh Warrington's support is very localised as well, isn't it? So it's a, it's a, it's a very Yorkshire 
uh, crowd that goes to see him in Leeds. So you never know. We've had big fights on the same night before, but it doesn't work for boxing. They should not do it because it's not a good situation. It's not, uh, you know, a scheduled round of football matches. There should be one big fight on the Saturday nights. There shouldn't be two. Yeah, indeed. I remember we was going to get Conor Ben Algeria the same day as Liam Williams, Eubank, and yeah, exactly. luckily it didn't happen. So, yeah, yeah, it's a shame. All right, this is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, it's a new year, but it's the same story with Floyd Mayweather and exhibition fights. We'll discuss his latest stunt shortly. You know, cash is key. I need a house like this. Yeah. It's cool to ride on your yacht, but I need a yacht like this. Yeah. It's cool to ride on your jet, but I want a jet like this. Yes. And I said, no, I don't want to ride on yours. You show me how to get it. Just because I talk about money doesn't make me a bad person. Show myself, Andy Oladipo, uh, the great Gareth A. Davis as well. Uh, Floyd Mayweather wants to continue fighting, I think it's fair to say. Um, he's had those exhibition fights. Can you count Connor as an exhibition fight? I think you can. Um, obviously, had the one in Japan as well. Um, Logan Paul. It looks like he's going to continue with these exhibition fights, Gareth. He's going to fight um, uh, a YouTuber. Uh, that's fair. To, uh, that's, the, that's the name. That's anyway a name I can give him. On a helipad in Dubai. Now... <laughs> To be fair, I don't actually mind it because I've separated Floyd and his boxing career and Floyd and what he does now. And if they're willing to pay him silly amounts of cash for these glorified sparring sessions, who am I to say don't do it? I'd rather see him do this now than do what we've seen fighters in the past do and have real fights. And unfortunately, it doesn't go too well for them when they continue when they shouldn't. If Floyd wants to knock around with kids like this that are going to cause him no damage and everyone's going to pay him a lot of money, I have no issue with it. Well, look, I mean, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, he went over to, he fought, as you say, Conor McGregor. I think that was a, I think we can call that a fight because it, MMA and boxing crossed over. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, an yeah. extraordinarily successful event. Um, unfortunately, I pushed for it as well. I mean, I was the first person to ask Conor about fighting uh, Floyd Mayweather. It was during a BT Sport interview when he was, um, you know, fighting in his UFC career in, in Las Vegas, Andy, and... You know, I said, you know, there's a billion dollars in that fight. Cool. And he said, show me the money. And I spoke to his trainer at the time, John Kavanagh. And he said, yeah, we'd do it. Um, I spoke to his agent. He said, no, it'll never happen. But, you know, um, maybe nine months later, I remember being with Mayweather on stage at the NEC in Birmingham. And Al Ferran came on, the impressionists, and did impressions of Conor McGregor on stage. And... You know, behind the scenes, these talks were, were going on and it worked. Mm. The UFC got on board um, just to tell the history of this. And I think, you know, he went to, um, it was a very, very successful event. It, you know, the fight was, you know, Conor McGregor showed that mixed martial artists are not boxers. Um, you know, uh, I think Mayweather toyed with him for three or four rounds and he took over, didn't he? Mm. Um you know, Mayweather then went to Japan and fought Tenshin, Tenshin Nasukawa and embarrassed him, didn't he? Um, you know, I think he cried after that fight. He made, I think he made 10 million yeah. for, what was it, a few seconds? <laughs> yeah, basically, and, and yeah. Now, and now he's going to go onto the helipad uh, 210 metres at the Burj Al Arab um, above ground and... 
I hope no one gets knocked out of the ring, Eddie. Oh, my because God. Because I know. Um, I was laughing with Adam Catterall on Saturday night on Fight Night um, because we were saying they ought to strap little parachutes to them just in case <laughs> on the off chance someone slips, falls over the ropes, bounces off the ropes and heads downwards um, in Dubai to the ground, that they can just pull the ripcord and then they can float down. Maybe they do that anyway. Maybe that's uh, a bit of fun. But uh, look, um, Mayweather's done this before, as I'm outlining. He'll do it again. Um, and, you know, he's in the realm of circus acts now, isn't mm. he? Um, you know, fighting, I think he's 20, isn't he? Rash- Rashid Belhassan. Yeah, 20. Yeah. Are you a follower? I'm you not. Follower? No, I'm not. I have to be honest with you. I didn't even know who he was. I had no idea who he was until he tweeted and said something along the lines of, you know, if I knock out Mayweather, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And I was like, who are you? How have you got this opportunity? And then I realized he's got a billion followers. And I thought, okay, it now makes sense. And it's weird. Every time I watch sporting events on that helipad, I'm like, you I kind of like, ooh, I'm a bit scared. I remember Roger Federer played Rafa Nadal yes. on there. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is like, what are you guys doing? This is scary. Like, don't do it. Um, but look, again, if they're silly enough to pay Floyd to to do these exhibition things, I, I can't blame him. I mean, I, don't, I can't blame him for wanting to make... He's making more money doing these exhibitions than real fighters, quote-unquote real fighters, are making for big, big fights. They'll probably make more money doing that than Errol Spence will make fighting your Dina Sugas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's weird. How did it come about? Well, um, Belhassa, Money Kicks, has got a zoo, hasn't he? And Floyd Mayweather visited his zoo. Mm. This is how you set up a fight these days. You invite your friend to your zoo. Mm. Um, it's a bit like Tiger King, isn't it? Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe when the Tiger King comes out, that Floyd Mayweather will end up fighting the Tiger King. It would not surprise me at the moment. So, you know, invite him to a zoo. And later on, they decide that they're going to do uh, an exhibition bout. Um, it's just a, it's a weird one. But... You know, money Mayweather versus money kicks. It's all about the money, Eddie. No, it is, and, and Floyd's Floyd's making a lot of it. Um, while we're on the the YouTube, I just want to quickly touch on Jake Paul. Um, obviously, look, coming off that knockout win over Tyrone Woodley, everyone's been criticizing him. Fighter boxer, fighter boxer. It looks like he could be fighting Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who I guess still is kind of a boxer, right? I don't know if he even falls under that boxing realm, having been beaten up by Anderson Silva. Um. That's a step up, isn't it, though? He's fighting a, leg- a, a legit boxer now, former world champion. Um, credit to him if he does take that fight. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, definitely a tough fight. Julio Cesar Chavez, I mean, I know he didn't have a good night against Canelo. Mm. He hasn't had great times in the ring. He's been on and off. He's not like the great Julio Cesar Chavez. Not. Um, no, it's very different. You know, this is a guy who filled out... Um, the Azteca Stadium, 133,000, if you remember, at the Azteca Stadium in, the, in his pomp, um, and had some, you know, he's one of the, arguably in the top two or three Mexicans of all time. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a very, he's had a very tough act to follow, but that really is a step up. And I think they need to be very careful about how they step Jake Paul up, fighting um, young uh, pro boxers like Tommy Fury is absolutely fine as well. We were all looking forward to that until Tommy pulled out. But I think there might be a bit of teasing going on there because Jake Paul's been saying, no, I'm going to let him get to 26-0 now before we fight. He had his opportunity. He should have fought me anyway. Um, we talked about Jake Paul a lot last year. Mm. Um, weirdly, Eddie, of course, 
um, ESPN Sports had his knockout of Tyron Woodley, as, as I think it was the knockout of the year. It was. Year. It was. So, you know, it's and we ended up kind of mentioning him on the end of year shows. So he's made an impact and he's not going away and he loves the sport. And I had that interview with him where he said it's really changed his life. He had dark days before he took up boxing and it's kind of made him regret some of the ways he acted and behaved in the past. And I just think that's very interesting. And in the end, hopefully it all turns out well, because what we don't want to see is him in with someone who is far too good for him. And, and Cesar Chavez may be far too good for him. Um, again, I think they'll have to call it an exhibition bout rather than a fight. Uh, Gareth, we've got like 20 seconds here. I want to quickly talk about Marius Bradis, the cruiserweight king, uh, ring recognised number one, getting a tattoo on his leg calling out Jake Paul. I mean, how's it got to this stage where the cruiserweight king is having to call out, I don't want to keep calling him a YouTuber because I think he's better than that now, um, is Jake Paul, but come on, Bradis getting a tattoo calling out Jake Paul. That's, it's never going to happen, the fights. What's the point in a tattoo? I haven't got much time, so all I'm going to say is payday. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Um, we're end on that one. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.